Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, Some preach Christ even because of envy and strife, and some also because of goodwill. Our topic today on this Life Study of the Bible program with Witness Lee is the different preachings of Christ. And joining us for this fellowship today is Ron Kangas. Ron, good to have you back. Good to be back. Thank you. I think we've all heard it said that as long as Christ is being preached, everything's okay. But in this book, the book of Philippians, there are quite a few different ways of preaching Christ, and they're not all okay, as we will find out. Uh, Why don't we join Witness Lee for a short introduction today? It's almost like a parenthetical word because he's not going to talk about the different preachings yet. He wants to show us the master key, really, to understand the entire book of Philippians. Let's join him for that. I was uh, a young reader of the Bible intending to understand every phrase, every term, terminology of the Bible. I tried uh, to go this way, and I turned myself to... uh, that kind of a book, this kind of a exposition, and so forth. I got all the help just to understand the terminologies. Not one ever told me that these verses should be controlled by the experience of Christ. The experience of Christ is the key to understand all these verses. If you don't have the key, you may try the best, yet the doors could never be opened. I tell you, the experience of Christ is the master key. And you use this master key, you understand every phrase. Altogether, you must see the controlling factor to understand all these verses is the experience of Christ. The whole book must be governed by the experience of Christ. Now you must pick up this key to open every verse because this book is on the experience of Christ. Don't forget, this is the subject. This is the uh, central emphasis of the whole book. So you can apply Christ to every chapter, to every verse, even to every word. Then you can see my what Paul talks about is altogether the experience of Christ. To suffer for the gospel that we may enjoy grace, this is to experience Christ. What is this to suffer for the gospel and to enjoy the grace? This is nothing, just the experience of Christ. Ron, it's the central thought and the master key to unlock the whole book of Philippians. He's talking about the experience of Christ. Maybe you could give uh, some practical examples of what it is to experience Christ in this book. This surely is the central theme and the prevailing emphasis in the book of Philippians, written by a man who could say, 
that in any kind of circumstance, his longing was that he would be found in Christ and that Christ would be magnified in his body, whether through life or through death. So let's consider some of the specifics in this book. In chapter 1, Paul says, I long after you all in the inward parts of Christ Jesus. Just dwell on this. He didn't simply say, I long after you all, or simply, I long after you all in Christ, but in the inward parts, the deep, tender, fine, delicate inner feelings of Christ, the feelings that Christ has toward the church, toward every member of his body. Paul lived in Christ's inward parts and allowed Christ to make home in his inward parts. So even his longing was not simply in his human emotion. It was in Christ. In chapter 3, he said he wanted to be found in Christ, not having his own righteousness. Wow, he was enlightened to see that if he would perpetuate his self-made righteousness, he would not fulfill the condition of being found in Christ. And the expression being found in Christ indicates that at any time in any situation, someone or even something like a spiritual being, an angel or a demon, would just come upon us and observe us And there's no preparation, no advance warning. And they may find us in the flesh or in the self or, as Paul said, in Christ. He mentioned that he wanted Christ to be magnified in his body. Well, Christ is in his spirit. Christ is being expressed through his soul. But the practicality of our existence is with the body Here his body is severely limited by a chain, by imprisonment, but he wanted Christ to be magnified. This not only means that Christ would be expressed, but Christ would be expressed in his unlimitedness. If Paul had to be patient, Paul would magnify Christ in his being unlimited patience, unlimited endurance unlimited grace, unlimited peace, unlimited love. And we'll see probably a little bit later in response to Brother Lee speaking, unlimited purity when it comes to proclaiming the gospel of Christ, defending and confirming the gospel, whereas others had an impure motive in preaching Christ wanting to really add to Paul's affliction because of his imprisonment. Yet Paul, as we may see, could say, I rejoice as long as Christ is proclaimed. Here is a man who was found in Christ, who lived in Christ, who experienced Christ, who pursued Christ, who magnified Christ, and who ministered Christ. This is the Philippians that Paul wrote Unfortunately, it's not the Philippians that most believers read or that most ministers preach, 
but we're thankful to the Lord for his grace on this present ministry that we have God's focus in reading this book, Christ, Christ, only Christ, the all-inclusive Christ, Christ who is all and in all. As we know, the Bible is a book that is a book of truth or doctrine, we could say, but as we find out in this uh, program and particularly in this ministry, it's also a book of life, and hence the life study of the Bible as Witness Lee uh, deemed it, and that's certainly appropriate. It seems this book really uh, comes at both sides of that. We see some truth and doctrine here, but really the emphasis is on this life side, which is the experience side, isn't it? That is the emphasis, but... Surely in chapter 2, we have one of the great Christological revelations that is just marvelous. And for centuries, it's been the object of much study and discussion and, sadly, of debate. But we need to be precise when we use this word experience. We're not talking about, oh, we have some kind of emotional high or we go through something in our human life. This book is about experiencing Christ, okay, a person. So the truth concerning Christ's incarnation, Christ's redemption, Christ being the manifestation of God in the flesh, this is indispensable for it provides the basis for genuine, normal spiritual experience, which is not some kind of vague mystical sense. It is the inner realization of the preciousness of this person for whom Paul counted all things but loss, just for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, and suffered the loss of all things to gain Christ. He wanted to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, This is the kind of life experience that's in Philippians. And when we use the word experience with respect to this book, we're talking about the experience revealed here in Paul, the genuine, marvelous experience of Christ, the God-man, being life, being our life supply, being our grace, being whatever we need at any time in any situation, and to be so in an inexhaustible way. This is the experience of life. This is what we mean by a life study. The study is of the truth. The life is the experience of Christ, who is, in fact, our life. Well, before we go to this next portion from Witness Lee, let's look at a couple more verses in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in full knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve by testing the things which differ and are more excellent. Let's join Witness Lee. People preached in the first century the same Christ, but by different preachings. Paul preached Christ, right? All those Judaistic believers, they also preached Christ. They all preached Christ. But... The preachings were different. Paul's preaching was one kind, right? The Judaistic preachers' preaching was another thought. We must see this. We need 
the full knowledge. And we need all the discernment. This was why Paul put in this verse. May your love abound more and more in full knowledge and all discernment. As long as they preach Christ, that's okay. Right? But we have a book here showing us it was not okay. All preach Christ, but the preachings were different. Am I right? The preachings were different. This is a striking point that's brought out in this verse, that uh, it includes the matter of love and our love abounding, yet more in full knowledge, it says, and all discernment. So we really have both sides here, don't we? Love a very experiential aspect of the Christian life. Maybe you could develop this a bit more about uh, our love being in full knowledge and discernment. Uh, Let's consider um, what our so-called love will be if it's lacking full knowledge and discernment. It would be a natural love, meaning it issues not from the divine life that we have received by believing into the Son of God. It issues from our contaminated, fallen, biased, natural human life. And it can be biased, it can be warped, it can be preferential, it can be sometimes foolish in, in, in loving. But Paul, experiencing Christ as his love, as his knowledge, and as his discernment, realized what love is. Love is really God in Christ as the Spirit wrought into his being. And he mentions that we should have the same love for every believer. If our love is not the same, if it's biased, if it's affected by anything we absorb from the society with its prejudice and its enmity, then it's not the love that's the same for all the believers. So the love itself that Paul has is pure because it's Christ. But this love is linked to full knowledge for which he prayed in Colossians 1, the full knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need to know how love is related to the building up of the body of Christ, mentioned in Ephesians 4.16, how it is the highest development of the divine life in a believer, as revealed in 2 Peter chapter 1. So we need to have the proper spiritual knowledge of how The real love is related to God himself, God's will, God's purpose, God's goal. And then we need discernment. That is, in caring for a person, we don't want them to be spoiled or damaged by an unwise natural love. We need to love a person with discernment to know how to care for him, how to supply him. And so we do need to not love indiscriminately. If someone comes into our midst, he's a real believer, but it turns out he has some erroneous teachings, he exalts himself, he makes himself an issue, he's a factor of division, then how can we just dismiss it all and say, well, we just need to love him 
No, we need to love him with discernment. That is, we don't want to feed the self that wants to be uplifted, that wants to be appreciated, even that wants to be adored. So there is the need when it comes to loving the believers, loving the unsaved, loving anyone. It needs to be a love with the full knowledge of God and his will. It needs to be a love with a very keen discernment so we know what kind of situation we're in, what kind of person we are caring for. And then the supreme thing is everything is Christ here and Christ is everything. Christ is the love. Christ is the fullness. Christ is the knowledge. Christ is the discernment. Christ is the clarity. Christ is the purity. This is really the intrinsic message here. It's so easy for Christians to latch into the world love and get all sentimental about it and in the natural emotion. And actually, the issue of that, surprisingly, for some, it's really a corruption. It's not pure. But what we see in Paul, the Christ man who lived Christ, who magnified Christ, was a love unbiased in full knowledge and with discernment. Well, we saw uh, yesterday, I think it's maybe appropriate to bring this up today, in our program yesterday, um, much of Paul's suffering for the gospel, as he termed it, was due to the fact that he was preaching not a general common gospel. He was preaching a higher gospel that was really centered on God's economy, which is the real experience of Christ. And it was for this that he ultimately suffered so greatly, and in that suffering had such a rich experience of Christ. So uh, this is a pattern to us, isn't it? It surely is a pattern because Paul's preaching of the gospel was a faithful presentation of the full divine revelation from God concerning his eternal purpose related to Christ and the church. Paul's gospel was pure. It was pure according to the new covenant. The Lord enacted a new covenant in his blood. He, under the light of tremendous light from God, utterly set aside his religious background. In his gospel, there was no mixture only the pure truth and the all-inclusive Christ. But there were others there who had some kind of faith in Christ. They were Christians, we would say. They were believers, but they were still very much in their traditional religion. And what they preached was a mixture of their religion with the truth concerning Christ. And Paul's Fellowship unto the gospel, defense of the gospel, confirmation of the gospel, was a real irritant to them, because he was preaching something absolutely according to God's New Testament economy, and these ones were actually happy to hear that Paul was in prison, he could not preach outwardly, and now they were not in prison, and they could preach with a sense of glee. And Paul, talk about discernment, he knew the situation out of envy and rivalry. These two things. And I do have the background over decades to be able to say 
speaking in principle, this kind of situation is very prevailing in Christianity as a religion today. Why in a seminary do men compete for the preaching prize? How can that not appeal to rivalry, to vainglory, to envy if someone gets it and you don't? So there was the envy of Paul because of the blessing on him and the impact of his gospel. Then there's the rivalry that they are in competition with him to get a hearing, to be received. All of this actually took place then, and it takes place now. But here is Paul experiencing Christ, keenly discerning the situation of the other preachings of Christ, yet he can say truly, whatever that situation may be, Christ is proclaimed. And I rejoice that Christ is proclaimed, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. What a person this is, that on the one hand could discern the pretense, the envy, and the rivalry, but not have a negative reaction to it. Actually, it motivated him to experience Christ more, to enjoy Christ more, and to rejoice that the Christ whom he loved, lived, and served was being proclaimed, even if the proclaimer was not altogether pure in motive. Well, in our final segment today, we'll get an appreciation for how all things work out for good, whether those who preach the gospel do it appropriately or in envy, rivalry, and strife. Philippians 1.19 says, For I know that for me this will turn out to salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We saw this verse a couple of days ago. It's the subject of our last section today. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The preaching of Christ in both ways helped Paul to enjoy his salvation. That kind of situation with all those circumstances forced Paul to experience and enjoy Christ in a fuller way through the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That means to carry out God's salvation in his experience to the uttermost. Paul says this kind of suffering situation turns out to my salvation. And salvation here means what? means to experience and to enjoy Christ to the uttermost. And that suffering situation helped Paul to carry out such a salvation, that he may magnify Christ by living him. My, that kind of suffering situation surely helped Paul and forced Paul to live Christ, that he may have Christ magnified in his body. So, regardless what difference in those preachings, he still utilized that for his experience of Christ, that he may leave Christ to magnify Christ. As far as Christ is preached, we'll be happy. Then this outward situation this 
the kind of abnormal situation may be used by us to enjoy Christ to the uttermost, that we may live Him and magnify Him under this kind of abnormal situation. Paul found himself in this abnormal situation, uh, many different kinds of preaching of Christ. But in the midst of all of that, he experienced the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ and by that was able to magnify Christ in the midst of all of these uh, situations and sufferings. Uh, Actually, our program tomorrow, we're going to focus once again on this verse, the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. There's so much there related to our experience in God's economy. Maybe you could give us a little foretaste about this bountiful supply of the Spirit of Christ and particularly how it brings us to magnify Christ in the midst of whatever situation we're in. We have emphasized, perhaps adequately for this program, how focused Paul was on Christ in every way. Now, in the little time remaining, I would make this comment. Paul was not a spiritual hero. He was not some kind of pneumatic giant there that we can only kind of emulate. Paul was a member of the body of Christ. He said in chapter 1, I know this will turn out to my salvation through your petition." In other words, when you pray for me, a fellow member of the body, the bountiful supply of the Spirit will flow to me, and it's by that bountiful supply that I will, in this situation, respond in Christ, view everything according to Christ, be motivated to be one with Christ, to experience Christ, to live Christ, and to magnify Christ. So on the one hand, Paul himself had been trained by the divine revelation and by experience to just focus on Christ as everything. On the other hand, he knew that his situation would turn out to salvation through the supply of the Spirit that flows through the body when the members petition, pray, and intercede. So instead of being a hero, Paul was a normal member of the body of Christ, experiencing Christ personally and being supplied by Christ through the body. Ron, that's all the time we have for our program today. If you'd like to contact us, please call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can send email, radio at lsm.org. As I said, we do look forward to you being with us next time. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.